just out in 2019, our newly released paperback version of our book, Affordable Interior Design, High-End Tips for Any Budget, has just hit shelves. If you want to learn more about selecting your style, picking the perfect paint colors, choosing a color palette that will wow, then you won't want to miss this book. Plus, it has a whole bunch of pretty pictures. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com, click on the shop tab, and you will see our book for $14.99. Additionally, if you purchase it on our website, I will personally sign it for you. And if you use promo code podcast at checkout, you'll get 15% off your entire order. Head to our website and grab your copy today. high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look be your own interior designer this is affordable interior design the podcast here's your host betsy Helmuth. welcome to my cozy storefront do you guys hear that outside those are raindrops and they're falling and there's almost nothing i love more than that sound Main Street is so quiet today due to these torrential rains that I can only hear cars whooshing by and the drip, drip droppings. Can you feel it? Do you get what I'm talking about? Because in a storefront, the whole front of the shop is windows. So I feel like a little fish in a bowl just watching the world go by. And it's cozy days like these where I'm so grateful to be inside and yet not tucked away in my house, somewhere where I can people watch even though there are people running by with umbrellas and car watch and feel like I'm in the middle of it all but I don't really have to engage you know what I'm saying like a fish like a fish all right guys so I'm sorry that I didn't join you last week for an episode last week I was in the thick of it we were preparing for the launch of the affordable interior design academy and I must say it's launched. I'm so grateful to everyone who helped to get it out there in the world. And I'm especially excited for our students who have enrolled. You guys are located everywhere from New Zealand to Texas to Seattle to Colorado to Kansas. And I am really thrilled that you are joining me because I'm, I'm pulling back the curtain. I'm revealing everything that you need to be a confident and successful interior designer. Uh, as you know, it's been a part of my mission ever since I started to really debunk the myth that interior design has to be custom, that it has to be expensive, that it has to be something that you can only do if you went to years and years of schooling. I did not. You do not need to go that route. Certainly that route is appropriate for some people, people who want to work high end, people who want to tear down houses and build them back from the studs. But for the rest of us, and for our clients who want to shop at existing stores and want to design in months rather than years, there is a place for us. There is a place for you if you've always had a passion for interior design, if you feel like you want to be an interior designer who focuses on retail, focuses on residential, who doesn't want to go back to university, there's a path for you and it's Affordable Interior Design Academy. So it has been really exciting to talk to all of you who've been interested. You schedule a one-on-one -on -one call with me so I can make sure that it's a fit because this academy is not a fit for everyone. Um, you've heard me rule out a couple of other people, you know, like high-end designers, people who want to flip, things like that. 
but really talking to me and ensuring that this is your next best step in your design path has been a crucial component to getting the right students in the right spots. So if you think that might be you, head over to affordableinteriordesign.com, click on the Academy tab, schedule a call with me, and let's see if this is a fit. Let's see if this is your step towards becoming a successful and profitable interior designer. All right, now it's really good to be back with you because a lot of questions have been coming in and I can't wait to dig into them. And one premium podcast member wrote in with quite a few questions. So I'm going to call this episode all about Eve because she has so many questions and she has such a unique space that I can't wait to dig in. Eve wrote me and she wrote, Hi Betsy and team, I am grateful for the guidance you've given me so far through your podcast. Your book is on its way as I write this and I can't wait. I'm a premium member and I get so much value out of it. Just as I was feeling really good about how our home was coming together, we fell in love with a new home and we really couldn't pass it up. We have a few design dilemmas to tackle in our new home, and I am confident you can help us. We just bought an 1874 one-room schoolhouse that has been converted into a family home, and we are beyond excited to start decorating. We also have analysis paralysis on how to prioritize and what to focus on first. I've included the listing picture so you can see what we're dealing with. The furniture is from the previous owners and the only living room furniture we're going to bring with us are a matching pair of small scale contemporary sofas like these. They're a year old and we love having them face each other in our home, but there may not be room in this new space. Here are our questions. The first one is living room layout. This is the most important and hardest for us. We don't mind having a small living area and we love the charm of the original floors, the large windows along with the wood-burning stove. However, I have no idea how to make this layout work. Help! The stone fireplace is in a very awkward location. It makes it hard to define the area with a large rug or to have a nice conversation area. It's hundreds of pounds to move, and it would require us finding new strong friends to help. But we are open to that if necessary. Could we decorate around it? There's also a closet door on the back wall and an awkward small space at the front of the room where the previous owner had a TV and a chair. We mainly plan on using this room for talking with friends, reading, and drinking wine. However, if we could watch TV, that would be a bonus. Do we ditch one sofa for a couple of chairs? Help! All right, I am looking at this layout and I must first say that this is such a unique space. I mean, it really looks like a one-room schoolhouse, especially from the outside where it has the place for the bell and that main entry door and along the sides, rows of windows. I mean, this house is the epitome of charm. But if you think about a one-room schoolhouse, and where the stove might be, where the desks and chairs might have been, that long rectangular shape, well, it doesn't necessarily lend itself to how we live today. So I see the challenges and I feel you with these questions. So the first thing you wanna think about is the main priorities for the room. You know, you wanna think about how many people you're wanting to have wine with and talk with you're wanting to think how important it is to have the tv because 
When you're living in an odd space or a converted space that wasn't really meant for living at all, you're going to have to play by its rules. And this space has some limitations and some rules. But you also want to be able to actually live there. You don't just want it to be a cool space for visitors to say, wow, what a unique conversion. You want to really have a life here that is sustainable. And for me, not watching TV is just not all that sustainable. Now, The other challenge with this space is it's a very open concept layout. Because it was a one-room schoolhouse, there's no real internal walls. They must have been all added later. And so it has been kind of chopped up in such a way that this large rectangle is now got these interesting nooks and coves. What I would say, first of all, is that it sounds like to me the priority piece would be the sofa. I mean, it would be really weird to just have a whole bunch of chairs and no sofa. So I do think incorporating one, if not two, of your small sofas is essential in this space, just so that it doesn't look like a chair showroom, because this space also needs to be open to the dining areas, I can see, and you don't want a ton of chairs back to back to back. I would consider, and you know, let me just be clear. When I do consider a floor plan, I never rush to judgment. I never think about where I should put the sofa, where I should put the dining table, like that. I work in a very systematic way with every space, whether it's a straightforward rectangle or whether it's this unusual conversion. And what I use is I use what I used to call the floor plan game, but what I have now upgraded to call the master layout system. It sounds more interesting, and this system is super interesting. And basically, it's trying every possible option in the space so that you don't jump to conclusions, so that you don't make assumptions, right? So what I would first do is I would try every possible layout in this space, keeping the fireplace right where it is not moving this wood-burning stove. And then I would see if any layouts come to the top of the pack that seem doable to accomplish all the functions that you want to do in this space. If none of them seem to work, I would imagine eliminating the fireplace because you mentioned that you can put it wherever you want, that it doesn't have to go exactly here. And so I would create a layout without the fireplace and see what new options that brings because... For those of you who are listening and who can't see that listing like I can, the fireplace is smack dab in the middle of the longest unbroken wall. And all the other walls are small and broken. And so that can be a real limitation when you're trying to place a sofa. That being said, I do see some other options here that I would want to explore. I would explore putting the sofa in front of the closet door. You just want to make sure that you leave at least three feet to open the closet and get inside and pull out whatever is there. So I would explore putting it on that wall. I would explore changing the functions of the room and what would it mean if you put the dining table on the other side. I would explore putting a sofa in front of that weird nook that they've carved out for their chair and TV and maybe using that little tiny alcove space for a desk or some kind of small isolated function instead of that main robust TV area because small nooks are perfect places for small functions, right? 
these would be things I would be toying with as you look to create that ideal layout. But this is not simple, nor should you rush to judgment. This is a place you'd either want to try out lots of options or clearly strategically think them through. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Are you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com, click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. All right, let's get to your next question, Eve. The next question is about window treatments. Betsy, we love the extra tall windows that let in so much natural light, but we aren't sure what window treatments to use. The entire room has baseboard heating and everything I've read says you have to leave at least 12 inch clearance from the drapes. What would you do with these windows? I love the look of a black rod and white linen curtains, but I'm thinking that just won't be an option here. All right, so you and I have gotten conflicting information about baseboard heating. So baseboard heating, as long as it's not electric heating, as long as it's boiler heating, I went to a fire station because in New York City, I had baseboard radiators and you know I want um, drapes that go all the way to the floor. So I went to the fire station and I asked them, what do I need to do to be safe? Because not only am I going to be having these in my own home, oftentimes I will find myself perhaps, um, recommending what clients should do in situations like this. And the firehouse told me that as long as it clears the radiator, as long as it's not touching the radiator, and they said because it's boiler heat, it's not going to risk going up into flames. It will maybe melt the fabric or hurt the fabric, but you're not really going to risk having a fire per se. It's just that you want it to fall in front so it's not directly touching the heat source because it's boiler heat. Now if it were electric heat that would be a totally different ballgame. So I would recommend that you go to your firehouse and see what recommendations they give you because these windows with these ceilings, I mean just looking at the pictures I imagine the ceilings are 11 to 14 feet high. Imagine a peaked schoolhouse people and you really do want to play up those beautiful windows. It would be such a shame to only do blinds on these beautiful tall windows. It would be such a shame, as you have now, to do little squat drapes that are cropped at the bottom of the frame. It would really add splash of color and interest if you could hang that rod higher above the window frame, hang that rod further outside the window frame, and flank each of those beautiful windows with one drape apiece. Now, you do have a smaller window that's not only lower than the other windows, but also just totally different sized and shaped in that little alcove that's adjacent to the other tall windows. 
I would consider, because it is such a diminutive window, treating it the exact same way I've treated the tall windows. In other words, keeping the rod at the same height, keeping the drapes um, in pairs, and flanking this window the same way so that it draws less attention to the fact that it is so entirely different. The other option with that small drape is to, I'm sorry, the small window is to do two shorter drapes, one on each side, but I would definitely put a pair even though it's such a narrow window, probably less than two feet wide. And speaking of those baseboard heating, um, things. What I like to do is I use the Cambria rods from Bed Bath & Beyond that have an extension. So they allow you to extend from the wall because the bracket is such that it is, you know, adjustable. Uh, they allow you to extend anywhere from three to six inches. And I find that those baseboard radiators tend to stick out three inches. So when I put it at its furthest extension, that six inch extension, the drapes fall beautifully in front of that baseboard radiator. But like I said, check with your fire station and make sure that they're okay with that too. All right, your next question was about style and design. Betsy, we love elements of Scandinavian boho, rustic, contemporary, and we want to create an interior that's modern and relaxed, but we also want it to complement the history of the home. How do we bring old and new together where we don't feel like we're living in the past, but we're regularly reminded of our home's history? Like you, I like so many other styles that I'd be happy to consider a different direction if that works better for the home. What do you see working best in this space? So as I scroll through these pictures, you know, because this was really converted, because it no longer, at least from the interior, looks like a schoolhouse, you don't have to play by those rules. I mean, I really don't see too many antique touches. There is some wainscoting, which is a nice feature, especially with such high ceilings. There is an old clock, but it looks like you've added that. Uh, so really from the interior, you would never know that this space has so much history. I think you can go in whatever direction you want in this space, but it could be fun to play with that expectation of oldness inside, even though it's not reflected in the architecture internally. Because outside, I have such an expectation when I walk up to this home. I really am seeing something special from the exterior, and I would love for that to be playfully treated in the interior. I would remind you of my two-word phrase method so that this doesn't become a hodgepodge of different styles. Uh, the two-word phrase method is that you find one word that completely encapsulates the style you're hoping for. Based on the sofas that you shared with me, Scandinavian really fits that bill. Then you add a second word that is maybe a feeling word, right? Of how you want to feel in the space. So maybe you want to feel hmm, nostalgic. That could be fun. Nostalgic Scandinavian. Oh my gosh. So many ideas are bubbling to the surface for me when I put those two words together. But that's me. You really want to think about what two words bring your imagination to life. And I think there is a trap in getting too kitschy in this space. So remember that with my two-word phrase method, I always add a third word. And that third word is sophisticated. So when I'm out shopping for items when i'm online looking at different options i'll ask myself is this item scandinavian 
or is it nostalgic? If not, I cannot purchase it. But then once I've determined that yes, the item is Scandinavian, perfect. Then I run it through my next test. Is it sophisticated? And I particularly want to use that sophisticated word when we find nostalgic items because nostalgic can get a little too playful or a little less sophisticated, right? So when we find that nostalgic piece that we really think will bring this schoolhouse vibe to life, we can ask ourselves, is it also sophisticated? And I think you'll find that sweet spot for this particular space. I can't wait to see what you do with it. And let me get to your next question. You write, Betsy, I am at a loss for what to do with these walls. There is a lot going on architecturally with these tall windows, visible staircase, wood-burning stove, wainscoting, etc. I'm feeling like there aren't too many places to add art or photos that won't clutter the view. How would you handle this? When you have a lot of architectural features, be they windows, be they wainscoting, door frames, etc., you just don't need that much art. You don't have walls, right? So you may want to find that you can incorporate pattern, color, those things that art can bring in places like pillows, interesting rugs. And I would highly recommend, after you speak to the fire department, bringing in cool drapes. And by cool, I mean not white linen. There's so much white in this space, what with the trim and the ceiling. This could really be your opportunity to bring in additional wow with either a solid color or a lively print. That alone could serve as your art, especially because you're going higher than the windows and further outside than the windows, meaning you'll have even less wall space to be looking at. I would think of that opportunity as the golden opportunity to create that artistic moment without using art. All right, and you have a last question for me. Betsy, how do I handle lighting in this space? Adding lighting and decor with high ceilings and windows is stumping me. You can see what we're working with from the pictures from the previous email. All right, yes, I do see what you're working with. And I think these light fixtures could be a really cool place to bring out that schoolhouse vibe. You have sconces as well as some overheads. And I would check out Schoolhouse Electric if you decide to go down that nostalgic path because they have a lot of really fun retro options that may harken back to a time with, um, well, you know, it's called Schoolhouse Electric, right? <laughs> you can extrapolate from there. Now, the other thing I would think about is no matter if a space is flooded with overhead light, I mean, this one doesn't have recessed lights, but even if it had that, even if you had no use for lamps, every room needs three points of light at least on a human level. And this room, because it's open concept, is actually two and a half rooms when you consider the dining space, the living space, and that small alcove. So I would really consider incorporating lamps because they add cozy pools of light on a human level that make it feel less like an interrogation room and more like it's creating zones with that wonderful splash of illumination and I can turn it off I can manipulate it as I'm reading I can put it on a dimmer switch so it can really make the place feel warmer and cozier when all that lighting is coming from up top it can be harsh and unflattering first of all but also, it's just harder to control when you're doing those smaller type tasks. Eve, it has been so great to help you out with this beautiful space. I know that you are going to really take advantage of all of its charm. 
And I can't wait to see what you do with it. So like I said, don't hesitate to update us all. Write to me at info at affordableinteriordesign.com and let us know what you did. Guys, if you have questions like Eve's, please send them in. Uh, again, that's info at affordableinteriordesign.com. If you are a premium member of this podcast, be sure to put that in the subject line so I'll bump your question up to the top of the mailbag. And until next week, guys, it has been such a pleasure. I will be back next week with even more questions and design dilemmas. Until then, stay dry and have an awesome week. Bye. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.